the podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. During today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of talking to a man who is a dive pro, a dive center owner, an explorer, a photographer, instructor, husband, and father. And if my if I may quote from the dictionary, a person who is admired for their courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. Quite simply, a hero. Now, I know Miko's humility will probably denounce that, but I have a few facts that say otherwise. Miko has received an accolade from the Finnish Association of Fire Officers, an ADEX Award for Inspirational Excellence, a life-saving medal for the President of Finland, has a book called Dive Into the Light, appeared on Finland's largest non-commercial TV channel, is recognized by, as an actor on IMDb, and played the part of himself in the Cave movie. To top it off, he has also received, are you ready for it, Miko, a first-class Knight Grand Cross of the Most Admirable Order of the Direkuna Korn from the King of Thailand. Miko Passi, you owe me one beer for getting that last bit correct. <laughs> I think I do. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? I'm great. And uh, you put it right there. Like You could say like uh, that's uh, exactly zero to hero story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there we go. How's the humility going, though? Are you... Uh, you all settled down now and all the, all the stars and all the cameras in your face after after the rescue yeah it was a quite a quite a quite interesting time after it after it but uh yeah it's all settled down now and back to back to normal adventure expedition style yeah well to be fair no one's going to come and shove a camera in your face when it's minus 21 degrees at home <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true i'm looking at the blizzard at the moment from my from my window and it doesn't look tempting, but, uh, but I feel like it looks very interesting. <laughs> You're going to get out there very soon. Okay, go on then. How soon? What, have you got anything lined up coming up? Yep, after this podcast, this was this was my today's, this is going to be my today's adventure, but uh, every day something new, I guess. But yeah, uh, next one is tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow um, in Finland, we have this, I mean, we don't have much to dive except heaps of lakes and stuff, but but our specialty over here is the mines, and uh, and uh, tomorrow uh, I'm fortunate enough to to go with a very special group of hard-headed divers from Finland to uh, to visit this. I can't say the name of the mine because <laughs> it's a secret, but uh, it's a nice a nice uh, little mine after a uh, couple of hours, few hours north from Finland and uh, north from Helsinki. Sorry. And uh, uh, the logistics are, are ridiculous here because we, we we literally have like minus twenty at the moment, and it's 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 raining kind of darts darts and uh, the real feel with the with the ten meters per second wind it must be like near minus thirty, <laughs> and uh, the dive plan includes first after the driving is a lot of uh, shoveling snow on top of the the lake the frozen mine and uh, then we got we need to make three three uh, holes in the ice. With the chainsaw and uh, one for the divers, uh, one one for each two divers, and uh, then one hole for the tanks, and uh, then jump in. And uh, the runtime will be roughly about three hours, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be cold and dark, but uh, gonna be gonna be cold. No, kind of <laughs> <laughs> hope no leaks, dude. I, I can't I, really I, cut cut off those dives. I left the apartment to come down here, and I was holding up shorts. Well, do I wear my jeans shorts or do I go down to boardies? Because it's going to be quite warm outside. I might get a little bit hot. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sauna behind it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I need that. 
so anyway, let's back it up a little bit, buddy. Um, surprisingly, there's 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 still people out there that don't know you. Um, so where did where did diving start for you? How did you get into it? Well, me diving, uh, I think it was '94, and um, I first did just recreational certification in in Turkey uh, with my with my current girlfriend back then, and uh, that kind of started the bug. But uh, uh, I did a few years of just recreational diving. But when it really, really hit me, the sport was in um, in Oyama Mines in Finland. A couple of years later, later uh, at the end of nineties, and uh, when I enrolled to this um, one year long instructor course, mm. they they did that in Finland. Like well, I know in in, uh, in in these days the instructor course is a few weeks. Yeah. But uh, back in the back in the days it was it was three hundred something days. Wow. And um, we did we did uh, we did actually over three hundred dives in that mine mine Oyama mine just for the for the instructor course. Yeah. It act, I went from advanced to to instructor during that year, and uh, there I got to dive one of the best places in Finland, and uh, and it was I also got in, in uh, fell in love with overhead environment because there was the mine that we used the the, op, uh, the open area mainly, but then you could see all those tunnels that that they, they go down to two hundred meters and tens of kilometers in so yeah i was peaking peaking every now and then i went <laughs> a little bit further and there was no there was no mine diving or the technical diving scene in finland wasn't was non-existing back in the days but yeah. that's where i got the first glimpse and ever since it's been just uphill uh more overhead and more more wrecks and more expeditions and stuff yeah yeah you're crazy you're absolutely crazy i know this <laughs> <laughs> you get bored in this country quite fast <laughs> yeah i've I've tried um i went over to the cenotes last year and tried there that's brilliant and yeah it was, it was good um but I, I wouldn't penetrate too far i just get bored I, I found myself looking to see if anyone had dropped dive equipment or cameras on the floor but as soon as we got near an entrance or an exit and there was a bit of light then the camera was out and i was super excited um yeah but it was just not enough these, fish for me. I'm, I'm a fish person, and, and you crazies are all about the caves and the caverns. You need to take your own fish with you to those cemeteries. <laughs> 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 but they, they are awesome. If, if that doesn't trigger your your uh, uh, inner Indiana Jones to go further in, then then nothing does because that's the they, those are the most beautiful caves in the in the world. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, very nice. But anyway. Let's come back across this side of the world. So you started in the cave, in the uh, in, in the mines back home, and then how did you find yourself in Thailand? Because I mean, you've had Kotao divers a long mm. time now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. That was actually actually I just met my my uh, uh, instructor certifier a couple of years back in Malta by accident, and uh, she reminded me that uh, I was. She remembered me from twenty years, twenty five years ago. That I left the next day when she certified me. <laughs> I already had <laughs> tickets booked and, uh, and and everything, and I was like, "Thank you for the certification. Now bye bye Finland." <laughs> and, I, and I just I got a, I got a job in Phuket. Uh, a fisherman that I knew from Finland uh, had a dive school over there, and and he gave me my first job as an instructor. But uh, but then again, Phuket wasn't really what I was looking looking for from a tropical island or, or to set up my career somewhere. And uh, it took me a year to to leave. To leave Phuket, and I was actually on my way to Australia. Uh, I decided, okay, I leave Thailand. I go to Australia and try my wings over there. Yeah. On the way, I stopped at Kotao for a weekend, and I stayed over twenty years. 
and uh, <laughs> that's 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 how I kind of. I mean, I stayed in, I stopped at Kotao and uh, started randomly doing um, doing the um, freelancer jobs like we most of us start with, and uh, ended up doing a course at Kotao Divers, and uh, and I just liked the, loved the shop so much that I I I, uh, I didn't want to leave. I mean, I uh, decided that I will do. I tried to try to uh, work with this one shop, and uh, eventually I got the manager place. And uh, in a nutshell, I did so bad job that the owner decided to quit the whole job, the <laughs> whole shop, <laughs> for other reasons. But, but still, and uh, and uh, one thing led to another. Within a, in, a, in a few years, it was two thousand something, early two thousand. Um, I just when when uh, the owner was like, he's gonna give up the first dive school on Kotao Kotao divers. And uh, sell it or just leave it. And uh, I went to her like, like uh, if I can buy it, like don't just stop, let me run it, sell it to me. And uh, and she at the time she asked like how much money I have, <laughs> and I had five hundred baht, and I, <laughs> I bought it off with twelve euros. And uh, ever since that, uh, yeah, that was it was a selling, you know, Matt, how the sellings are and and uh, and silly little equipment leaking all over and a few tanks and uh, but the name. And, uh, and yeah. uh, the history of the shop, but yeah, literally five hundred baht. And wow. uh, ever since I've been growing it slowly, slowly every year, and uh, now we are we are doing well. We would be doing well without this bloody flu around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, so that was the first dive center on Kotao. Yes, it was on on the island of Kotao. It's the first one established, nineteen eighty seven. Wow. Came from came from Samui states. Well, uh, used to be some international dive school, and then a piece of it fell in Kotao, and uh, and uh, I'm glad that we still have it. Yeah, was it? Is it? It's like 30 plus years. 33. We're going to be 35 soon. That's awesome. That's man. a grown up age. Yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like almost doing adulting. <laughs> yep, almost like us. <laughs> and then, obviously, you've got built up Kotao, and you've got KTD in Malta. Yeah, KTD Malta is a is a chapter that I, that we opened few years back five six years back mm. it's uh the, the the heart of kota divers is, is in thailand in kotao but but uh we decided to expand because we, we do lots of technical diving in in kota divers already and we have quite a uh quite many specialty courses and uh, uh i i just i just love wreck diving so maybe because of my my passion. We went to went to Malta, and I decided, okay, I need to work over here. So why not set up a little chapter here too? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been running over there, and uh, Malta is is a is a is a, is a wreck diving heaven. Visibility is always thirty plus, or a little bit exaggerating here, but but the but the amount of historical wrecks that it has to offer is is, is mind blowing. Even if you don't know, if you don't, if you just take a scooter out of the beach and go out in the sea, you you will end up finding pieces of world war ii history and and beyond i mean they, yeah. the history is amazing in, in malta well how many how many bits of world war ii wreck have you found now because there's been quite a lot of exploration that you've been doing isn't there i don't know i mean uh, uh, uh I, I don't keep count to be honest and you don't you don't find anything by yourself it's always a teamwork and uh but if you i mean i try to be as much involved as i can and uh i don't do normal dives anymore i mean i might the kind of type of diving i love is not 
or it can be anything, but mainly I need a project to do. Yeah. And that drives me. So I, I jump in anything. I can, I can look for your engine if you like, and, and uh, you don't have to pay for me. And I love it. <laughs> But uh, uh, I, don't have, I don't have a number how many shipwrecks, but, uh, but tens, I don't know. Yeah. That's not, not too much. It depends where you are. Some places you're allowed to do this and some places you're not. So yeah. you need yeah. to play by the book or, or bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> or you get, get your wrist slapped. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've got Kotao, we've got Malta, and then 2018 came and the incident with the the kids getting trapped inside the caves in northern thailand how did how did you first hear about it i think social media thank you for that yeah i mean um the whole thingy hit the media quite well how to say powerfully but i think i was i was in malta at that time and uh and uh, yeah it pop up in the social media that there's a there's a group there's a football team trapped in a in a cave full of water in Thailand and that caught my ear immediately like Thailand caves, caves. water yeah. and rescue oh yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. I needed to follow it because it's, it's my kind of about 20 years in the, in the, in the country so it, it is my background my backyard over there mm. so I started to follow and uh, yeah it's kind of kind of far away from Malta uh, in North Thailand but uh, yeah and then I then I understood like in the, at the beginning uh, some of my good friends went over as a, as the first persons to help as cave divers and uh, and these guys and they set up this uh, this um, uh, Ben Raymond was the leader of the group and his wife Simone set up this uh, conversation in uh, in uh, social media I mean a private conversation mm. where they updated us like what happens every day like every step and that that so I could follow follow a little bit inwards. Um, uh, in the scenes like what's going on and uh it took me like a few days and i i mean there was, there was a letter coming coming through where where they asked more more personal and more equipment and they didn't have any any cave equipment over there so uh, mm. i called uh called Kota divers and i and i closed the technical side of our shop over there and we sent ivan helped me to send uh or we send uh or our cave diving side mount equipment up to north and we collect from the island from of kota we collect a lot of i mean individuals uh gave their own equipment side mount equipment regulators to send up to north Brilliant. and uh, that was amazing i mean they did, I, I don't know if they ever got them back to be honest but they just decided that they're better better up there helping helping the kids and uh and uh yeah then i was walking <laughs> a few days later i was on the phone all the time trying to connect things and get personal on site and get the equipment on. And my wife, it was our eighth anniversary when my wife was looking at me, Krista was looking at me like, damn, she knows me. And, and yeah. I'm all the time on the phone and take messaging. And she was like, well, you, you better go there now. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and instead of that, uh, instead of that candlelight dinner for the eighth anniversary, <laughs> wedding anniversary, we had a dinner, uh, we had a lunch, quick lunch on the airport. But yeah, that's how it escalated. It started to escalate uh, just just randomly. And uh, yeah, I was on the plane then, on the plane. Uh, we landed at Zurich on the way. I find another guy with the, with the side mount rebreather uh, to help me out because that was the thing that I actually flew over because I had this uh, side mount rebreather that can, with the rebreather, you can you can stay longer. with. You don't have to have extra tanks to to go in and out and uh, that ended up helping us 
setting up the stage tanks to the to the cave, yeah. uh, and I was bringing that equipment over. But in Zurich, I stopped stopped before the Bangkok flight, and I learned from social media again that all the kids were found happy and alive. And uh, my first thoughts were like, okay, this is it. I'm gonna just land on Bangkok and problem solved. I was happy as hell, yeah. and you uh, turn and go back to my wife. But then on the flight, it started to think like hell, man. Like, hey, hey there's still like two and a half kilometers in there. <laughs> yeah, there's quite many of them, and they need to they need to be brought out, and that's not that simple. So I, I went up to up to Chiang, Chiang Rai, and uh, uh, and uh, yeah, then then the rest is history. I mean, the kids were found, uh, but they needed to needed to be brought out, and uh, mm. then we just sat there for a while, and. Uh, but at the beginning, uh, I was just thinking, I'm going to bring my unit there. I'm going to help them carry tanks or whatever the, the special forces or Thai Navy or uh, Thai Army or the Australian Federal Police or whatnot was there that yeah. they need. Maybe I can give them a hand a little bit. Yeah. But in the end, it escalated so that I was working in the in the chamber eight or two and a half kilometers in. Uh, and that was just every day, a little bit more and more. And uh, it was kind of absurd to find yourself. Was there like a moment where... You know, you, you, that dawn of realization where you think you're going to be doing the donkey work and lifting tanks to being told, well, told, asked, or invited, whichever way you want to put it, yeah. to be inside and actually being hands-on. Every day was different. But, I mean, the first two days we just sat there in the, in the mud and in the rain, mm. and uh, everybody was telling us, we don't need you. <laughs> but we were like, <laughs> we come this far, we got to fucking sit here and not go anywhere. We're going to sit here for a month if it's needed. And then, then the, then the U.S. Special Force Commander—I can't remember his name at the moment—but uh, he came over one morning and uh, one evening and asked, "Like, who, who are you guys?" And we're like, "We're divers. What can you do? Can you go in there and help?" Up? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a, I mean, answer without no hesitation. But we were thinking that later. Like, we don't even know what we answered. Like, we don't even know what's in there. Yeah. We didn't see it before. But, but uh, the next morning that he came back, we get we write a little CV to him like what we can do. And what we've done so far, and what we think we can do, where we can help. Yeah. And in the morning, he came. He came to us in the morning, uh, seven o'clock next day. He was like, "Okay, you guys, you go in now. There's there's some stage tanks. Each one you will get aluminium S80. Three of them strapped around. Yeah. Put it in your back and bring it as far as you can in the cave and <laughs> set it up like a stage in the chambers. And uh, and then off we went. It was it was horrible. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Uh, we didn't know there was no there was no proper map of the cave. I mean, as a cave diver, you you should know you should know like you plan your dives well. First of all, mm. you have you need to you need to know where you're going. You got you got this team routine that you stay together. You make sure your body is all right. Mm. Uh, you check the conditions that uh, uh, how is the vis, how is the depth, how is the time that you're going to be in there. Mm. Uh, usually, you have a setup, nice line that you follow. Yeah, nothing at the beginning was the first time was 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 the hardest because we first first you go into the cave system and you have to you have to uh, walk and climb and slide and whatnot for for about eight hundred nine hundred meters mm -hmm. and it's not straightforward walking it's there's a couple of sumps that you need to dive set up your gear and go under yeah uh, then you have to climb a bit and there's, there's there was huge gaps that you could. I mean, one slip and everything was wet, and you don't have a climbing shoes. You got your dry suit boots, yeah. and uh, one one I mean, one slip, and you can fall ten meters into the rocks. And and uh, once you get to the chamber one, two, and three, 
And in the third chamber, the actual diving starts. Yeah. But before that, you already dove a couple of times and you've been, you've been, uh, <laughs> I was, I'm, my pulse, I got this, this uh, watch that tells me, uh, and uh, it was 168 or something when I reached the chamber eight. And that's when you start diving. Wow. <laughs> so, oh my God. And then you spent, I mean, yeah, it was, it was about 10 hours every day in a, in a cave diving, maybe three, four hours of that. But yeah. some diving is, is such that you go chamber to chamber. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we lost our group in the first 50, hundred meters. We were all lost and we decided it's going to be solo for the next week. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it was just to get into the feeling of, of that cave was, was the hardest the first day, but then when you learn how it was, you can, you can, uh, you know that okay. You have to hike for two hours before you get to the dive, so you can save your energy a bit. Yeah. And you know that you're not going to see nothing for the next next few hours underwater. And you know that it's not deep, and there's these chambers where you can stop and rest. Mm-hmm. It became easier, and uh, and the diving wasn't the hardest, but it was just the overall, the the whole of it, the the the, the, magnitude, the, the, the magnitude of the whole thing, the, yeah, yeah, of the whole operation, and uh, and then of course it, it'll stress that the boys were in the end of the line yeah they need to be taken out so you were on your 110 percent all the time so the the diving elements and the sumps that you're going through were they i mean we saw video footage i think by now the world was just captured and, and watching everything on the tv as much as possible but it looked like you were diving in a cross between mud pea soup and coffee um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what was the what was it like when you were submerged because obviously the visibility is going to be quite low but then you've got these, you know, rock walls, ceilings, floors. Um, was there was there squeezes? Were there, you know, um, hazards that you just mm. have to try and avoid, but you didn't even know they were there? It was. It was. I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't see nothing. With you should usually see your instruments, mm. but with the, with even with the with the rebreather, I couldn't read my partial pressure from my from my wrist computer. And uh, so I was just listening how the solenoid goes on and off and, and uh, adding adding oxygen because I knew that it's not deeper than six, so I could add oxygen to my unit as much as I want. Uh, the restrictions where we went, you just followed the line. Thank God there was a line <laughs> that the guys put in there because you just went hand, hand, pulling yourself, hand, another hand, hand, and you did that for hour, two, three hours at the end of it. Uh, thank God we had helmets because you couldn't see shit, and uh, and uh, our neck was so sore after hitting our head into the stalagmites constantly. Uh, there was these restrictions that we, everybody was talking a lot, and they, they were tight. I mean, you could get through with your side mount set just barely, yeah. But then you had to pull these three tanks after you, and they, I mean, that was pretty much the maximum size you can you can you can you could put through. Coming out with the kit through those was was. Uh, was horrible. Oh, I can but, imagine. Uh, yeah, we we knew that we can do that because we could pull in three tanks at the same time, so we could pull and ourselves, so we could pull those kicks out too. But uh, yeah, they were tight, and the, the worst thing was that you couldn't see nothing. Yeah. So uh, you couldn't kind of you just went with fingers to feel where's the hole. Really. <laughs> try not to lose that line. But, uh, but was yeah. there, was there any um, the, was there any kind of. Um, contingency plans for you know if, if that line was lost or we were it was just get the rescue done that was it i mean we were the rescue team so there was no rescue for us except our training and uh yeah. if, if i mean if if you lost the line it's normal protocol yeah you look for the line until you die <laughs> yeah yeah well thankfully 
they all came out. Um, there was there was quite the, quite a few <laughs> few lines lost on the way, but but uh, yeah, God, everybody was experienced enough to to uh, to find uh, find their way out, mm-hmm. except someone good on on the fifth day, but but uh, yeah. So with the with the dives, I'm just trying to paint a picture of how it was all put together. So we've got the we've got the kids down one end. Um, we've got Dr. Harris who was sedating them to bring them through, and was 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 the kids being passed through individual sumps? So, so you know the team of divers take the kid, bring it through to you, and then you guys take the kid through to the next stage. Uh, or was it all done by one diver bringing through, you know, several chambers? Yep. The, there was this uh, the, uh, British Cave Diving Council guys, four of them, uh, John Rick, uh, Jason, and uh, they, were, they, were, they, they were each bringing one kid out. And then there was this assi- the assistant divers, which were us, and we were waiting set to each chamber one or two, uh, two or three of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, our job was we were in the chamber, the kids were in the chamber nine with, with Harris yep. and uh, four Navy SEALs, Thai Navy SEALs getting sedated. And then each one by one, each diver started to bring the kid out. They met us on the, on the first, I mean, the next chamber on the way out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there with Craig, Craig Challen and, and uh, Klaus Rasmussen mm-hmm. and, uh, Thank God these guys were because Rasmussen used to work for Red Cross and Craig Challen is a doctor, yeah. <laughs> so they knew how to administer all these sedatives and and then I was in good hands. Uh, uh, and our job was just uh, when they enter to the chamber, chamber eight, to take off the uh, equipment from the kid mm. and uh, help equipment off from the diver too, and the diver could run or walk to the next chamber from eight to seven. It was quite rough territory a few hundred, few hundred meters and uh, and there was some swimming and some uh, climbing on the sandy banks and uh, and we just put the kid on uh, we check his vitals and stuff that he's, he's all right and uh, then undress the equipment and put him in a, in the stretcher mm. and uh, and maneuver him to the to the next chamber where we where we check him again and uh, then then uh, put the gear on again uh, yeah. the full face mask and, uh, and a little BC with a handle that we could carry him and uh, and once again check that the, the full face mask is not leaking and uh, and everything is good and then as fast as we could the diver could take it take the kid again and go to the next chamber and that's how how we went on forward forward to till the chamber number three where where was where you could the chamber number three you could reach without diving at this point because they lowered the water level with pumps and diverting the water somewhere else so mm. so uh, over there was lots of lots of help for the divers then and that was the end of end of our diving mission from nine to chamber number three and from from there onward we handed the kit to 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 the uh, authorities authorities outside yeah and it's you've got we've got to point out i mean it's it's pretty common knowledge but the amount of people that were involved in this rescue is just astronomical isn't it i was looking at the stats earlier today and with the local ties and the rice fields that were getting flooded because of the diversions of the waters to prevent more water going in and the effort from everybody involved was just immense some say 10,000 or i mean yeah. at more and that's a, that's a, that's a huge number we as a, as divers we we didn't see none of them because we were 
13 inside the cave yeah. and that was what we saw during the day <laughs> when we came out when we, it was dark the whole week because we went in when it was dark and came out pretty much when it was dark but yeah. when we came out every day you could see like the, every day we just got dense more and more people and the village outside the cave system was growing and growing and uh, and the, the amount of, of media that packed, was packed outside was also like there was i don't know hundreds and hundreds of journalists outside and uh yeah it just grew and grew but but uh, it it was helping that we didn't have to see that while we were working. Yeah, because that would put you off quite easy. Yeah, think like me and people are watching. Don't tell you what you're doing, but <laughs> not putting any added in, not putting any part. added pressure on you at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a, I got a few. Um... Yeah, it was. Go on, sorry. No, I just just about the pressure pressure thing. Like like it, 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 that's amazing how 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 everybody handled that because. First of all, you're dealing with with kids, and uh, and you're dealing in an environment which is very hostile, and and uh, you pretty much don't know what to do. You you need to improvise a lot because you're. I mean, you have no nobody was telling you what to do. It was just go out and do your best and bring them out, and then the rest is up to you. And uh, and then add on the last days when there was when they went viral the whole cave rescue, and uh, then when you if you gave it a second to think about. Oh, my God, there's millions of people watching and waiting for the answer. And don't fuck up now. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, do your best. But, yeah. I mean, everybody took it quite well. It seemed to go. I mean, I, I, I say I was watching from a distance, like the rest of the world, but it just seemed to go absolutely mental. And um, having lived for a number of years in Thailand myself, I can just imagine how the, the Thai locals would have reacted. And you know, I'm just looking at some of the questions that people have fired through to me for you. Um, and one woman was asking about the, um, or actually stating a, a a comment saying that it was admirable of the families not to be uh, casting any kind of negativity at the, uh, the the adult that was in the cave with them. And that's just indicative of, of the Thai lifestyle as far as I'm concerned. I think that was well done from the from the from the parents because you could easily tip it over to the other side and uh, but they they probably knew about the coach and how how well he was with the kids mm. before the ordeal and after what I understood he was he was like a mentor to them and he was he was more than a coach he was yeah in their everyday life he took care of them the kids like uh, I mean much more than just a week every week you know football football uh, rehearsal but he really really took care of them and and uh uh why he took them in the, in the cave i understand it fully myself i mean exploration for kids is vital yeah and uh these these guys up there in the in the in the far up north they don't have shopping malls where to hang around they have the tamlong cave yeah and uh that's only natural for them to go and seek and put their names a little bit deeper so not i don't blame them at all over there, and I hope that. And I, it was it was good to see that the, the parents also understood it that way. I don't know; you could have tipped over the other way too, in especially in West, Western countries. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I've got a few questions for you from um, some some divers, um, and I, I what I did was um, yesterday after we'd spoke, um, I just jumped online quickly and I hit up um, the Sydney Dive Network and Sydney or Viz, uh, which is a Sydney-based uh, reporting forum. 
and also Texas scuba divers. There's quite a few of them over there. Hey. Um, so I've got a few questions for you, um, if you can have a go at them. You ready? We have uh, one from Dougal Wilson. Um, if you had to do it again, what would you do different? Oh, good one. Uh, I definitely demand everybody in the, in the, in the operation would, would have a, like a GoPro or some kind of a recording device. This time we were, we were, we were told not to have, not to take any pictures, any film during it. But that would have made everything planning and showing the rest of the team and, and the people outside and the commanding and the upper higher levels what actually how it looks and where we what we are fighting against and and uh with even within the team we would know much better how many tanks in, in each chamber and how does a chamber number six look from from chamber number five because they all look the same hmm. and and we didn't ha- i mean just and and also also for liability uh and and learning from the or these ordeals if you could have a camera <laughs> uh on your on your set yeah. the film you could you could easily show that okay, I didn't, I, I did that mistake, or, or I didn't do that, or here we could. I mean, it would just make sense to, sense to have those uh, recording devices on your, on your in every every rescue actually. Yeah, uh, that was just something that I was thinking because I had a camera against all the, <laughs> all the, uh, all the rules, <laughs> but yeah. uh, and it became handy at some point. But uh, that's just something that comes on comes up the first thing. There must have been a lot of First. learning, um, a, a lot of learned, a lot of things yeah. learned from yeah. from this incident. As, as I said, it was a lot of improvising at least, at least for my for my part, because mm. there was no clear rules what to do. Yeah. In the army operations, usually you got very strict rules what to do and what not to do. Just do that and only that and nothing less than that. Yeah. But we didn't have that. But uh, given the given the given the operation, the style, there was no way to give us any. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, guidelines to follow, except come back safely and try to bring those kids back too. But what was the other other thing that I could I would add here if we got time? Um, yeah, uh, is the media the media because that 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 clearly played a big role in this whole operation and uh, how how I mean media social media got uh, everybody together and and through this we, it's a lot of positive mm. that uh, came came through social media, but. But then for for the rescuers itself, like we didn't, <laughs> it was weird to have two hundred different medias on your face all the time, and at the same time, you can't tell nothing. Yeah. I mean, there was this U.S. Special Forces; they they had a media a personnel with them that that, that kind of uh, helped them out and and told them what to do, what to say, and what not to say. But for the rest of us, like <laughs> uh, we common divers. We had no experience of this, and we didn't know what to say and what not to say. And they are quite quite good in their job when they start to ask questions. Yeah, and uh, that might—I mean, it's very—it was yeah, some 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 of us had to go because of uh, saying something something uh, too much to the media. And that that was that is something that uh, next time if you can see that something is uh, building up so big, put a person in to to uh, to help out with the with the press. Yeah, yeah, just refer everything to that person. Um, okay, so we have another question yeah, for you. Something like this. Um, uh, this this one's a pretty good one. Um, Adam Smith uh, he asks, did did you always believe the kids could be brought to safety, or did you accept that the outcome could have had some deaths? 
Another good one. Very good question. Mm. Uh, I mean, back in my back in my mind, I think everybody was positive that we can do this. But before the extraction started, before the three days, when when the when the weather window was, we knew that okay, now we got two days, and then then the monsoon starts, and that means the the cave system will most likely flood again mm. immediately, and uh, that that is the end of the operation. Then we might have to wait six months. Um, so on those last days when we had to move quite fast, uh, we I remember we sitting down the last evening when they still asked, because we're volunteer, so they asked, like, if you can still back off if you like, and we can pick them up six, six months later <laughs> when it's dry. And uh, there was a lot of serious phases on that table because all the information that we had on hand mm-hmm. and from, 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 uh, from around was pointing that we might not get all of them out and we would be lucky if we get a few of them out. Yeah. We had no idea how they will react, how the sedation will last. Uh, I mean, there's two and a half kilometers of diving with those kids in a zero vis and it is, it's, it's very, many things can go wrong. Mm. Uh, so yeah, you couldn't say that. Uh, I mean, we hope that we will get them all out, but to be honest, 50-50 would be quite close to what we were getting ready for yeah. and uh, and understanding that, that put the, the most uh, difficult part of the whole operation was to accept that risk that somebody might die on your, on your in your hands and uh, what happens after that? What, what, will, how, what will the family react? Mm. Will you be blamed from it? Will you have to lose everything in Thailand or will you get in the jail or yeah. uh, and then, then just living living your life with the with the experience that that I uh, did, I do something wrong. Did I fuck it up because because one of them died or yeah. and that, that that was a that was the hardest part. But uh, thank God that didn't happen when it was any one of us. Well, I don't thank God. Thank you guys that did it. Plain and simple, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, the kids did it. God damn it! Yeah, they stayed alive. And <laughs> they did. I mean, what eighteen days in that darkness and with no proper food and no hope and I mean, whoa. That's a that's a lot on a on a little brain. Yeah. I mean on a young brain. There's um there's a there's a couple of people actually asked. Um, in fact, uh, Kate, I can't, I might get your surname wrong. Sorry, Kate Zarifa and Greta Flynn. Um, they both ask if you're still in contact with the boys now. Uh, unfortunately, not now. I mean, um, I met them. I'm, I'm very happy to say that I met them a few times after after the ordeal. I, I've been back in the cave. Uh, a couple of times and uh and uh, met them in the various various places but not really contact they are quite kept they became quite famous and uh, mm. and i'm happy to say that they are being kept like uh they've been protected also Good. that uh that it's not they're not easy to you just can't go to Chiang Rai and ding dong. Hello, how are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that I mean that's 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 good that they they're so and then again they are they are. I mean, yeah, um, my tie is not that good that I could just call them over or uh, we come from different planets anyways, but I'm, I'm just happy to know that they are getting fat and they are every year, one year older and, you know, doing the kid thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, so I think we, we, we've done the cave. Congratulations, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Um, Post-cave. Post what's what's post-cave life been like? Because, I mean... You, you you've done this 
courageous thing and then all of a sudden you're being thrown in front of the prime minister of thailand and being given yeah. these awards and then the same in finland and it must have been pretty surreal it comes it comes with the i mean first when i when, when, when that was done i decided i tried it okay i'm not going to talk to anyone mm. and i tried three months of that <laughs> but you can't escape it i mean <laughs> eventually you have to come out and it comes with the with the, being 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 able to be involved with such a great outcome such a unique uh wonderful uh operation that turned out so great it comes with a responsibility kind of that uh that uh i'm i mean it gave 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 me a lot of personally and i'm sure for all of us it gave gave a lot of uh respect in the field and uh and uh op- options windows open for new new adventures and new new projects and stuff and uh and but also people are looking i mean your name came out now and people will remember uh us and the and the other other people involved um so you need to come with the task kind of uh and i'm i'm very happy and proud to carry that and i'm i'm trying to <laughs> trying to behave up to that that uh that uh level or so and uh i mean uh it's mind blowing and uh and suddenly you are all over the place i don't like the press the, the media part of it at all digging to your personal life and stuff but uh there's much more good than bad from the publicity that it that came and uh, i i've decided to try to turn it turn it and be be kind of a role model for what people want some people some <laughs> want me to be to show because some suddenly some some suddenly people are listening to you and and all that so i'm trying to live up to it too and uh with through my expeditions and mm. photos and whatnot and uh and uh yeah it's been amazing ride and uh but the thing is that uh some i mean it wasn't supposed to be like this it it just happened it, it, we were trying to rescue some of them and 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 just help as much as we can so so uh this outcome was just mind blowing and still is i i'm still thinking of it sometimes and i just can't figure out how how nothing went wrong in the end i know right because there was so many ways yeah expect hoping for 50% and you get 100% it's brilliant yeah yeah so um you've got uh, well you did have some expeditions lined up didn't you until covid kicked in um <laughs> we were meant to be speaking <laughs> well it was touch and go whether we were going to be talking because of indonesia but you know good old indonesia closed the borders again it, uh, can you say much about that expedition or my heart i mean um after i mean i always always tend to to be on a, on the road and be on a, on a uh, expeditions and and then uh, try to find stuff and thing but uh yeah the covid came and stopped we um uh, we had lots of lots of projects coming up and uh, one of them was was uh with um, surveying these us submarines that were lost in world war 2 mm. and they're scattered one is in thailand and uh, three of them are in 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 philippines and uh and uh there hasn't been done proper survey of them uh with the with the current tools that we have uh meaning 3d photogrammetry and uh and some side scanning and uh uh and within uh, we set up a team bottom line projects a few years back just for to um step out from what we used to do in thailand you know how it is when you go out with the fishing boat and and uh search for something uh it's super super hard work it's 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 the best fun in the world but yeah. but then uh we've done that for a while i was missing the 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 fact that or the part that we could actually do some scientific meaning uh meaningful uh 
uh, surveys on the way and then and, uh, uh, try to help the, the, the history books and stuff even more. So we wanted to approach with um, with more scientific approach mm. towards the wreck. And uh, so we set up a team with, with marine archaeologists and marine, marine um, maritime archaeologists and uh, marine biologists to to be able to to uh, conduct proper surveys and uh, give some uh, something back to the public and uh, but yeah then 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 the damn COVID came and uh, literally there was people flying into the country and we we're going to USS Lagarto this time we start we were supposed to start that those expeditions from the Lagarto wreck that is in Thailand and in seventy five meters roughly. Uh, found by Jamie McLeod, uh, Kotao boy with the Trident crew. And uh, we had these people coming in, the boats are paid and gases are done and everything is packed in the cars. And some of some of us fly in and some of us was driving from Bangkok already have like 500 kilometers in. And then we had to cancel the whole thing oh. uh, because of COVID. We were so close. We were like 12, 12 hours to departure and then I <laughs> called the whole thing off. And ever since, uh, I mean, <laughs> it was a good call. We had to do that call, but it, it, it buggers because it's been a year now and uh, we haven't been out. Well, we've been out doing doing something, a uh, different project, but that 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 is still on the hold. It's gonna be nice when we when we finally get to there and the Philippine wrecks. Yeah, yeah. But I've been lucky. I've been lucky that uh that there's been other other projects during the COVID time even. Well, yeah, you've been doing stuff, haven't you? Because I keep seeing all these sexy photos you throw up. It's very annoying. It's a little bit chilly diving here in Sydney, but uh, you know the clarity that you got some of those photos is simply fantastic, dude. Yep, I um, I um, I took on a couple of years ago at the cold water diving again. After after years and years, mm. and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how the visibility in in the Baltic Sea and in the mines can be. Usually, when people are talking about Baltic Sea, they they only go to thirty meters or or, and uh, the vis is crap most of the time there. But after thirty forty meters, it opens up and it's black, very dark. But if you've got powerful lights, the visibility can be up to fifty meters, mm. and there's a whole new ball game down there in the bottom of the Baltic. So those photographs are from the bottom <laughs> with, with heaps of lights with us. Yeah. Um, strategic positioning in a stroke. One, <laughs> <laughs> one of them one of them I was I mean, we went to Estonia uh with uh, with subzone team in Mivalin was was in charge and we got the we, we were using the uh, uh research vessel Yoldia. And uh, uh that was a nice that was two weeks expedition in, in Sarema last july i think and uh just to give you give you an idea like um the the conditions are where within two weeks we could only get out maybe three or four diving days because the conditions in the baltic the the wind can be so so hard most of the time that that there's no business on the on the boat yeah to those wrecks but uh but then during those few days we actually managed to locate or find three new new wrecks and uh we got the coordinates from national heritage board of estonia so we were kind of cheating but <laughs> but still we get to dive something new that never been done oh my god like uh our our main target was the hms gentian that was um uh part of the red track uh operation during the world war ii and uh, nobody has visited that wreck there was just rough coordinates that there might be something down there and nobody knows actually what 
But uh, to visit visit the Virgin Wreck, uh, it was 80, 80 plus meter tall and it at 60 meters, perfect visibility, 40 meters and all the bells and and helms and compasses and everything intact. And uh, just uh, we, we did a 3D model out of, out of it within a, in a couple of days. And, uh, and that was one of my highlights of definitely of, of last year's expeditions. Uh, I never knew that it can be, could be that beautiful uh, in the Baltics. So, um, and uh, then the guys, guys find another one the next day. I wasn't on the boat, but, but uh, that was at 100 meters. And we find a one. One on the well, pretty much every dive we find one, <laughs> one wreck and, uh, and uh, thanks to thanks to Imi Wallin and his her connections, but uh, that was an amazing trip. That sounds awesome. Well, I think uh, I, th- I think we'll wrap it up there, mate. And you can you can go and oil your chainsaw ready for the ice diving. Um, I'll, I'll just go and turn the air conditioning on. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go, um, for the <laughs> listeners that are out there, do you want to um, just let them know how they can find you and where they can find you online, all that kind of thing, and keep up to date with what you're doing? Okay, so my telephone number is... Oh, uh, I, think, I think we're looking at something else. <laughs> if, I mean, uh, uh, I mean uh, kotadivers.com, that's the, that's the company... We've been running with the team for the last 20 years, so we do anything anything from beginner to, to a CCR, Trivix instructor, if you're interested, in, and lots of expeditions. Uh, from there, you can find our Malta chapter too. Uh, I even got my own website. Thank you for Krista. Mikkopasi.com. Uh, that's, a, that's a posh one if you want to go, but <laughs> there's lots of links more. Krista, to, Krista uh, made that our one. Adventures. Krista, Krista, Krista made, made that it, yes. one. Yeah, yeah she, she can make my next website, mate. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a million dollar there. And uh, follow up the uh, Bottom Line Projects. That's a, that's a non, non-governmental organization at the moment. And this through through uh, Bottom Line Projects, we will in the future conduct all kinds of uh, expeditions and adventures and and whatnot things. So that will hopefully grow up to a very, very interesting um, group. But that's about it. Thank you, Matt, for your patience and uh, and everybody out there if you for listening. And uh, thank you for giving us your time, mate. Um, I, I, I kind of didn't slip it into the show, but um, we will have to have a catch up beer at some point. It's been far too long since I had a hangover with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. And I, I do owe you the beer. Yeah, or pronouncing that that that, <laughs> yeah. that night crossing that yeah. at the beginning. Rod, of the we, show. we had a we had a little challenge at the start that. Um, I couldn't pronounce the Thai um, award that he got, but I nailed it. So that's a beer owed to me. I'm not going to forget it until I see you next time. (laughs) All right, Matt. Thank you very much. Thank you, Miko. Have a great time. Don't freeze your nuts off outside. You two don't get burned. I won't. I envy a pan. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, buddy. All right, ciao. This is Scuba Go Go Under the Sea. The podcast for the inquisitive diver.